In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. There's a QB trade. Wasn't I don't think anyone <laughs> called this QB trade, but we're back. We're dropping another podcast because, hey, news happens. We're here for you. I'm with my man, Ian. Right, right, right. How are you doing, buddy? Well, it's raining in Chicago. It's cold again. So we're on our fourth phase of winter out here. But yeah, ironically enough, earlier I was looking at my phone and uh, Palacero's tweet notification pops up and it says the Browns, hashtag Browns have traded QB. And I'm like, I took a deep breath. I opened it up and I saw Case Keenum and I was like, wait, what? I had to stop. I went to the home screen, then searched out Tom Pelissero, found his official account, clicked on that, then read it directly on there to be like, holy shit, the Browns actually got a draft pick for Keenum. And then I was like, so that's why they paid a million dollars. Well, there's two two different thoughts to school because is a million worth a seventh round? And it's a bit of a wash. Not really. What I think is probably more likely is they knew Watson's going to get suspended. So they were happy with Keenum as the backup. But Andrew Berry is aggressive. How can we upgrade all 53 roster spots? And so they didn't have time after the Watson move where they would have released Keenum yesterday had they not managed to get Watson or not got someone else. And they went, it's effectively they gave a million dollars in insurance. They were able to upgrade the position today. And then we've paid him start ringing around the league. Will anyone take this deal on? And um, I believe that would be the process of it. So it was effectively an insurance payment um, as their backup QB. And they turned it into a seventh rounder rather than cutting him. So I think it's a really, really shrewd piece of business by Andrew Berry because you couldn't risk not having a backup quarterback who is of a acceptable standard to start maybe six or more games. Yeah. I think you're on a center. I think that the Browns main goal was to bring in Jacoby Brissett. And once they got the confirmation that was going to happen, they went and executed the trade with the bills, but it was yeah, a hundred million dollar insurance policy. And also I think the pick they acquired, if we're doing next level thinking here, Jack, I'm going to take you really down a rabbit hole nowadays with you, UDFAs, UDFAs kind of can you, you can pay them whatever you want. Well, now when you're drafted in the seventh round with two, there's how many, how many times you've heard this? I'd rather my player go undrafted than get picked that late in the draft. I think the Browns are basically saying, we'll use that 246 for whatever priority UDFA we want. And if I'm not mistaken, because they get drafted, they're slotted for cash. So now there's no bidding war. So you know how we got AJ Green, where we had to pay him all that money. And then, you know, the uh, the defensive tackle out of Florida State, Marvin yeah, Wilson, who we let him go. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the Browns are saying, we'll just draft our highest priority UDFA with that pick and probably end up saving themselves a few bucks is kind of how that's going to work. One and a half mil. That's, it's a phenomenal point. So um, Dearness Johnson, if he would have been drafted and spent all the time on the Browns, he'd be in his fourth year this year. He'd be earning 1 million roughly. He's not, 
he is a um, restricted free agent and he's going to be earning 2.433 million. So you're actually saving over a million if you keep this guy for four years. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they use it to draft my guy, Dicker the kicker. And if that's the case, there you go. There's your million bucks. But no, it, special teams, you know, there'll be an absolute purpose with whatever that pick is. I mean, a lot of times you see Mr. Irrelevant, you know, who can hang around. But yeah, when you look at it, I'm sure that that's what Andrew Berry said is I can cut or I can trade Keenum and get myself a priority UDFA. And on this talk, because lots of people have been chatting about draft picks and going, oh, the roster's really good. We're only going to use, I, th- I think someone got as I was four or five of them I was um, listening to on a space um, today. There is loads of roster spots still available. Just having a quick flick through, you're probably needing to add one running back, two wide receivers, a tight end, an interior lineman, aka center, two to three edges, two D tackles, a linebacker, two DBs. And that's without getting into like competition at camp and going, hey, we want to upgrade LeCount, we want to upgrade Fields, um, we want to upgrade Winovich. There is so many roster spots for the Browns. Um, they are happily to use them picks. And yeah, not all these guys will make the final roster, but it is essential now with the Deshaun Watson deal on the books, they keep adding loads and loads of cheap young players. At the end of the day, I was, I was having this conversation. So if you're in my mentions or in my things, you'll see, I had a conversation earlier with Andre, not another Browns fan. And I talked about what the GM's job is. The GM's job is to put a winning f- product on the field. So aside from all this stuff with you, so let's say the top 22 of your roster. So we're talking about this all 11 starters on offense and all 11 starters on defense. At that point there, when you add in the specialist, you're at 25. So roster spots, 26 through 53 are in constant motion, whether it's your edge three, your D tackle three, your linebacker three, you have to constantly, I would almost, I don't know how many of you out there understand what the Pareto principle is, but the Pareto principle ends up with an 80-20 affiliation. I would bet Andrew Barry spends at least 80% of his time on the bottom 26 through 50 odd number on the roster. The top 25 are generally the pretty easy ones. I can tell you right now, Andrew Barry's not spending a ton of time thinking about Miles Garrett. He, Miles Garrett's under contract and he knows exactly what he's getting. But it, his entire time, I would say, you know, the 20% of that roster, and it's a larger percentage, obviously, by number, but fifth, you know, being 26 guys, but I'm talking about the 20% of that, what that roster contributes in terms of snap counts, rotations, and stuff like that. He probably spends 80% of his time going through it, constantly upgrading it. How do I? figure out a way to use a seventh round pick here to get this position better. How do I let Mac Wilson's position, you know, $2.8 million get replaced by position Y. I mean, these are the metrics that go on in these guys' heads. So like when we talk about game theory, fans sit there and look at it from a fantasy football standpoint, you know, how do I get Nick Chubb on the field? Andrew Barry knows how to get Nick Chubb on the field. He doesn't worry about that. He worries about how do I manage Dearness Johnson's restricted free agent 2.3 tender as opposed to what Benny LeMay would cost. You know, that's what he's spending all his time on. So to your point, Jack, yeah, that's what they have to do now. They're going to spend a majority of their time upgrading roster positions 26 to roster position 53. And that's your Winoviches and Tommy Togiais and Jordan Elliott's. But there's still that one main gap there. We still don't know who's going to start at defensive tackle. Let's see. Well, I know the guy I want to bring in at defensive tackle. I, 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 I think there's a guy that's being misused, um, wasting his time with 
in Baltimore and needs to come to a better team. And that is Clayus Campbell. Get that man, 8 million, one year guaranteed, bring him in and let's just rush, 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 rush that passer. My only issue with Clayus Campbell is the same issue I have with Will Fuller. And that is his inability to stay healthy. And it's only because his age, I mean, Jack, what is Clayus Campbell has to be what damn near 36 now. He's a little bit old. Yeah. So when we're looking at some of these interior defensive linemen, I don't know. I'm just, unfortunately the bears had to go ahead and screw the pooch on him. Larry Ogan, Joby, and they took my guy, Justin Jones, but you know, I don't know, maybe you're talking about the Kong Sue might come in and, you know, he's a guy on a one-year rental. He's no, he's been shown to be a mercenary in some cases, uh, Sheldon Richardson, you know, these are some of these guys, you know, there's a guy that was released the other day by the commanders, uh, Matt Ioannidis. He's a guy I like, so they have options. And I think they're all going to start coming to fruition. And I think you're starting to notice now when you have, you know, a quarterback free agents, aren't that hard to come by. So I still think there's a lot of ensuing moves. Heck who, who knows by the time we post this, there may be something because as one of our listeners kind of joked, they're just catching up with one of our podcasts and what to do at quarterback. And then the Watson trades made, and we're talking about that. And then by that time we already got a backup and it's like, gosh, gosh. And so, hey, speaking, we'll get to some tasty stuff at the end of this because uh, I, I do want to uh, touch on it. Yeah, so speaking of uh, backups, the Browns went ahead and uh, got themselves a backup, right? Yeah, so Jacoby Brissett is now signed. Signed or getting signed? I don't know if he's coming for a workout. Or I don't think done. it's official yet to be the Browns week one starter. I mean. But uh, no, it's, it's one that it's, it's, it's a done deal. And let's, let's just have a look back to last year. Find out how these boys did. So are you open up? the one place you have to look let's let's pull up pff and we'll set the minimum snaps at 81 dropbacks so not snaps dropbacks as a quarterback because that gives us case keenum's number he had 81 percent had 259 so not the biggest samples in the world but we've got case keenum 41st on that list and that i think it was 49 off the top of my head at 32nd you've got baker mayfield at 15th you've got jacoby Brissett. so He's fine. Um, the goal is going to be if it's six games, he's going to needs to come in and get to three and three. If we get four and two, I love it. Three and three has got to be the goal. You're optimistic. I think it's going to be more, but I do think that you're probably looking at Jacoby Brissett being your starter for a, you know a short amount of time and it's going to be hard to pick the number. I mean, obviously you want to be 500 or better, but until we see that schedule, I'll tell you, I wouldn't mind playing the Bengals though in week one. And I only say that because their offensive line is going to be guys that have never heard of each other. So it wouldn't be bad if we had a pretty killer D line coming at them in the first week, I'd like to maybe get one and no in the division. So we seem to have good, uh, good history with them, but uh, I will say Chase Winovich is quickly winning over the fans of Cleveland. He recently tweeted in a survey whether he would like uh, fans to help him decide on a number. Is he going to steal the legend Sheldon Richardson's number of 98 or the I'm trying to remember. I, honestly, Jack, I can't even think of a Browns player that has ever won or worn the number 69, 98 or 69 fans. So jump on over to Chase Winovich's uh Twitter and help him decide who he is going to, uh, what number he is going to represent. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an absolute lock. Uh, if you give fans choice, they are both sixty nine. So uh, that's why I'm voting. That's why I expect nearly every Browns fan is going to end up voting. Um, so we've got ourselves our backup quarterback. Um, we've still got another quarterback on the roster. He'll get traded. Um, but that that's going to play itself out. Jack, if you were to put a guess on right now, it is Saturday midday does baker mayfield get traded by the end of sunday i think it might go through on monday i think what will happen is is the browns will do what the texans thought they were doing narrowing it down to the falcons and the saints and saying all right who are the two teams i do think there's for real that they do not want to trade him in the afc so i don't know if carolina has interest or it's just seattle um, but I would find that they're going to probably narrow it down to two teams and go and say, hey, make your final offers. We're going to make this happen and then just push from there to go forward. So do you think it's tomorrow? Yeah, I think I think the longer they wait, because the reason that Houston has already had their press conference and put out their statement is because obviously they're getting out from underneath a PR nightmare. And I think the Browns are heading right into one. So we we know what smart people do. They plan for every single outcome possible they can and when outcomes come in your favor so you like jok fall into the second round that's one thing but i think fans sometimes get get a little washed up i'll say in terms of the how the wash is coming i should say caught in the wash that's the phrase i'm gonna use the browns knew once they went after a top tier quarterback what baker mayfield's response was going to be the adult in the room comment I think pertained more to Baker's response to them upgrading his position, because as we know, 32 NFL GMs every off season, try to upgrade their roster at all positions. Now, can the Packers upgrade their quarterback position? Likely not. However, every other position, what the Browns did to Baker Mayfield happens, linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, cornerbacks. It doesn't matter. How many times do we hear teams bringing guys in after the draft because maybe the draft board didn't fall. So they've got four or five guys out there that they're like, you know what, if we can't get X or Y, we'll bring in this free agent or, Hey, we were able to sign this defensive end or acquire this defensive. end. like, for example, the Raiders, the Raiders just traded for Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is going to take somebody's roster spot. So the Raiders went out and said, we're going to upgrade this roster position. And what they do is now somebody will then lose their job. It's rare that it's a quarterback, but We've already said that there's probably eight to 10 franchise quarterbacks in the league, possibly 12. If you stretch the limits, you're telling me that those other 18, 19 teams aren't every off season trying to upgrade that quarterback position. It's just not public. And then Deshaun Watson adds a little bit of paprika to it. And his situation brought a lot more eyes and ears to it. So the Browns knew this was an ultimate reality. They put it out there and then Baker did what Baker did. And they're like, dude, we can't have this. If you're going to, the Browns are going to act like, the professional in the room. And then Baker comes out. And when Colin Cowherd's agreeing with you, putting the message out that you did, you knew they were fine. They were fine with however this outcome existed. When they went down the Watson Rogers, Wilson path, they knew there was no coming back to Baker. That's just a fact. Yeah. And to be fair, I think the writing has been pretty much on the wall during the season. So the trade approaching the trade deadline last year, OBJ wants to leave. Browns say no. They knew it wasn't working between OBJ and Baker. But at that point, 
they knew that Baker wasn't going to be here. We spoke about this on the podcast. Why are you turning down that trade request? Because they actually rejected the trade request before going on and cutting him. Because they just went, OBJ's a talented player that we want to keep around. Baker, not so much. And um, they obviously knew by then that Baker was not going to be the quarterback and they weren't going to risk their futures. Because, hey, if 2022 was a bad year, there's no guarantee that AB and Stefanski were staying. That, that's just the realistic way the NFL is. Has them. Don't mind firing people. They were not risking their career on a fifth year of Baker. You're right. And this is what I was talking with Andre Knott and another Browns fan about is, is the league puts these teams in these uncomfortable positions. The league did not step in and do anything about the Deshaun Watson thing. And they let it hang out there. Because, you know, a lot of people compare the gambling and the weed thing. So the NFL has hard, fast rules about that. And also remember from a criminal standpoint, if a guy gets busted with weed, there's a lot less back and forth on it, right? If Calvin Ridley gambles, it's it's black and white. There's no area of gray here, right? In Watson's case, there's an area of gray. Therefore, the league clouds it up and says, well, we're not going to get involved. Well, what's Andrew Barry supposed to do? Let's let's ask ourselves the more, let's eliminate, you know, the moral side, because I've already made my opinions very well known about that. Andrew Barry's job is to win football games. If Andrew Barry doesn't win football games, then he gets fired. Kevin Stefanski gets fired. If Baker Mayfield goes into 2022 and, and finalizes what all Browns fans, or I shouldn't say all, what 50% of Browns fans think, and it wasn't just the shoulder, well, then what do they do? They might get fired. They might lose their ability to make their livings. Hugh Jackson, we were talking about this a little in the pregame. Hugh Jackson had a legitimate gripe with the Browns. How he went in handling that gripe, he would probably need a new publicist for this. But at the end of the day, if the Browns did in fact say to him what they said to him and then change course on him, it has eliminated his ability to earn money in the NFL in the future. They basically just harpooned him. He's the coach that went 0-16. Andrew Barry, Kevin Stavansky, these are prideful guys. They know that they only have one, maybe two shots at the, at the apple, so to say, in terms of NFL notoriety in terms of pay, you know, in terms of contracts, stuff like that. So you're put between a rock and a hard place because you have to upgrade the position and do things. Maybe, yeah, you don't want to talk to you. I mean, Andrew Barry's got a wife. Andrew Barry's got kids. Like he's not on some different moral playing field than we are. But at the end of the day, the league puts these guys in a position where the owners are going to stay rich. They're going to stay billionaires, you know, long past the days that they, you know, depart the earth and the GMs and the coaches are sitting there fighting over the scraps. So that's the unfortunate position that you put yourself in, in the NFL and saying, Hey, we got to figure out what we can do to win games. And the Browns made that call, whether we agree with it or not. So next piece of news that happened for the Browns, it was a restructure of the Amari Cooper deal. This this one shocked me. I I never saw this coming, Jack. This was hilarious because I put out a tweet. um, What does an Amari Cooper restructure look like? Current cap hit 20 million. Basic restructure um, gets his number down to 7.4, blah, 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 million. And add two void years, it's down to 4.896 million in 2022. Exactly five minutes after I tweet this, Tom Palacero tweets, the Browns have restructured um, Amari Cooper's deal, adding two void years, which brings down the cap figure to just under 5 million. 
And it's like, it's just ridiculous. Just the timing of it, an exact five minutes early I was on that. And um, yeah, it, it just, I was like, oh, I know exactly what the cap number is here. Update my cap numbers. I was going to say it. It's, well, when you do the math, there's a lot of similarities. So if somebody's willing to take the time that you do to go through all this stuff, I will gladly, you know me, I'm always the one that's trying to just pee on your Cheerios when it comes to spiking the football, but you spend enough time going into this stuff. So it is what it is. I'll let you go ahead and take your victory lap on this one. Uh, because yeah, I, I think it pretty much fell exactly how everyone thought exactly why the Browns did exactly what we thought they were going to do, but that now kind of opens the door. Yeah. So Wait. lots of people are seeing the number I tweeted out of they've got 36, um, 36.76 million in cap space. And they're thinking, Hey, let's go out and spend that on all these free agents. The reason why they had to get up to uh, more than 35 million is so they can now add to Sean Watson because Deshaun Watson is still on his old deal as of the time of the trade, because you can't, um, they couldn't give him a 45 million signing bonus because that would have been then on Houston's books rather than our books. Um, so he's got to get traded and then they have to sign the new deal. So you'll probably hear maybe really soon, maybe um, tomorrow that Deshaun Watson's actually signed the new deal. And then you'll see, that's basically going to be 10 million of cap space extra. Haven't got the final, final details of how his contract structured. You're looking at around 10 million there. And so, yeah, that will then bring us down to about 30, 26 million. You'll get rid of Baker. That then goes up 18. And we're still waiting for the Shaquem Grant deal, the Walker deal, the Hubbard deal, and now the Brissett deal. Um, so they're the last pieces to come in. So, Jack, I want to kind of walk fans down a, a path we went that builds off of this. So there's a new, there's a new way of doing things in the NFL. And I won't, I won't say that Les Snead and them started it, but we were talking about it a little bit earlier. And I, I don't think I've heard this. And, you know, I try to stay abreast in a lot of the different podcasts and stuff like that. And I don't think I've heard this discussion yet. So we're going to go down this a little bit road. You're going to take the reins in this, but I'm going to set it up. So we were talking a little bit before on the Clowney deal. And it prompted a conversation between the two of us. And I said, well, it would make the most sense if Clowney's deal this year was front loaded because Miles is only making 12 million this year. So if you're going to have to spend the money, you don't want to keep borrowing on that credit card to use your analogy and say, okay, let's front load this one. So we get it off the the books now, and then we don't have to pay for it later. And you said, au contraire, mon frere, Jack. Why do you think the Browns will not front load the deal to use up some of the cap space they have this year and push even more money into the future when we have these big Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson burdens looming? Yeah, so the reason why um, I, I don't see you doing that, and they could easily take the 12 million in this year. It's not going to dramatically affect them. But you get that down to, say, 4 million, and then you have an extra 8 million you'd spend next year. So you are kicking that can, but you go, hey, we'll just roll over lots of money. So rather than you spend that 10 million now, for instance, if you go, hey, we'll spend 4 million now and we'll stick 6 million of it into next year, we will keep 6 million in cap space and we will roll that into next year. So I don't think you're going to see a position where the Browns are under 10 million 
in cap any single year. I think they're constantly going to roll over. They rolled over quite a bit last year and people are like, oh, they've got loads of cap, this cap space. And it's like, no, that, that cap space has already been spent. It will be next year. But what that allows, if you have to do some crazy in-season move, you can just pick up a massive chunk of someone's deal. If a team's going to miss out on the playoffs and they're like, hey, this dude's going to be a free agent. We don't care about the comp pick because we're going to go spending next seat in this off season. We just need to move this player's contract. We could go, hey, we can chew someone's deal. Say it's some great edge and Clowney gets signed and Clowney goes down mid-season and you're looking at another team that is potentially looking at a top five pick and they're like, look, we need to get rid of him. Hey, we'll offer you a, a fourth. You might be on course to get a fourth as a comp pick. We'll give it to you now rather than you have to wait a whole extra year because we need him because that could be the difference between us winning the Super Bowl. And just by having that extra 10 million in cap space, you can go off and do that. Um, so rather than like the second and the third that um, Denver get, uh, got off the Rams because they needed the Rams to eat all the, uh, they needed Denver to eat all the money for the Rams to be able to roster him. You wouldn't need to do that. You could just go, Hey, we'll give you a fourth rather than a second and a third, send him over here. And, why not have it's all about maximum flexibility but you do need to keep that big pot of money and th- and that's that was well put i'm going to translate that a little bit because some of our listeners aren't math scientists but you will understand this analogy the nfl affords you the ability to do this thing that you guys do when you go to best buy or some of these things and it's called 12 months same as cash and the theory being i can buy it now and pay it off over time and it doesn't cost me anything extra. There's no interest, so to say. So in essence, the translation of that is the Browns would rather maintain the larger cash. They want to make sure that their equity of cash is larger with no problem. So the theory being, if I roll $25 million in rollover over to next year, I'll use that to pay my dead cap. So all the money that I, in essence, if I take $25 million from this year and I push it in the next year and I roll the $25 million from my rollover to next year, well, all I'm doing is, is using the money that I saved that I didn't give anyone else for t- that year to pay it off next year. So kind of doing what Sashi Brown did in 2017, the only difference is he wasn't bringing on any assets. So he was just saving, 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 saving. Well, now we're in essence saying maybe there's an in-season move where you having that $25 million becomes the, the key point for you being able to make a move you normally wouldn't be able to make. So I think Andrew Barry they either identified this trend, but I think they are one of the first NFL teams that have kind of been on the proactive side of this approach. Because when we look at the Saints and we look at the Packers, we look at these, the Rams, they did a really good job of punting all of their money to the future with no savings to try to come back and accumulate it. So the, the direct analogy would be the Packers this year started the offseason, I believe, 60 or $70 million yeah. on the opposite end of the cap. Well, if the Packers had a roster that in 2021 rolled 60 or $70 million over the active spend is going to be really high because of what the way you're spending your money. But at the end of the day, you're using your savings to pay off your credit. So the money you're not paying now is what you're going to end up using to pay off that credit card in the future. And I don't think there's any teams right now. And I'd have to go deep dive into that, that have reached the proactive standpoint that I think the Browns are going on this. And that's why people were asking about like the Batonio and the teller deals it doesn't really matter to them because they have the money to keep those deals under market to pay the money in the future. 
Now, if they get all stupid and spend all $25 million in their savings in 2022, and then they have to accumulate $25 million in the following year by cutting players, well, then now it doesn't make much sense. But to Jack's point now, having that $25 million of flexible cash this year may give you his mention about the Broncos thing saying, instead of giving up two picks, maybe I only give up one. So you end up winning the trade because of the cap you have available. Yeah, and imagine adding Von Miller because you need it late in the season and going, hey, we'll give up a fourth rather than, hey, we need you to eat 10 million, so we'll give you a second and a third. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is a very realistic move because if a team's looking at this and going, hey, our season's done, our quarterback's gone down, everything's fallen apart, um, we started off really badly, this guy's going to be a free agent, you can have him. Half a season, you, you can have him. Um, we can cash in on that because of this position. And it's, it's different. So the position the Saints and the Packers are in, that quarterback was old, probably got one, two years left in the league. Obviously, it's slightly different now. Rodgers has come back. But they're working on the basis. You've got one, two years left. Goal in, win, burn the future. The Browns can't burn the future. When people are like, let's go all in, all in, all in, all in. I'm like, yeah, that's great for the first two years you've got Deshaun Watson. Then you're going to have to have an average roster with no middle tier for two years because you burn it all. It's not worth going all, all in. We are effectively heavily in, but we're not all in. They're not going to be burning all the picks they're not going to be burning all the cap space because I want 10 years of competing for a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson's young enough to do this. Deshaun Watson was Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. The strategy is very different over the next two years than it is with Deshaun Watson. There is no reason in five to six to seven years time, we can't still be talking about, well, this, this could be another time we compete and win a Super Bowl. Um, and, and they're going to think exactly the same way. All of this stuff we've spoke about of sequencing contracts, of being aggressive, but sensibly aggressive. That's not going to change. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a breakdown you're probably not going to hear. And, you know, obviously, Jack has become quite popular on uh, on the Twitter sphere for his ability to understand the, uh, the cap and how it all works. And, you know. I think if you look at it long enough, you'll notice trends. And I think when you take a guy like Paul D. Podesta, Jack's idol, and you have him in your front office, you know, guys like Ken Kovash and these guys, they're able to just do things that maybe the average fan wouldn't have thought of. Because if you don't spend, I mean, even, you know, Joe Banner at times will tweet about different things cap related. You know, if you're rounded enough and you see it enough, you'll see similarities. I know Joe Corey is a great follow for stuff related to cap stuff. Um, and you've heck, you've even partnered up with Pats and Texans and Packers, all these cap guys, you guys are like uniting like a band of brothers, you know, just to kind of help people understand how all this stuff works. Yeah. And it's, it's quite the turnaround after uh, two years of being a leper. And uh, there was a lot of people <laughs> to be, to be, be fair, Jack, the minute you read the minute, the minute your widespread opinion about the possible trading of Denzel Ward gets out there to the masses, that's why, I, to be fair, I will just, we'll just tell people the Paul and Jack tweets get far more impressions, obviously, than the listens. So any of the Jack's controversial stuff, you'll notice he's taken to the podcast. So only our loyal listeners hear that part, because if he tweets it out and it kind of goes spread viral, he may lose some of those followers. So yeah, all the stuff that's like, oh, cut Nick Chubb. And then you got our boy, Adam coming at you saying, absolutely not. Those tweets have to go to a minimum. We just save that stuff for the podcast. 
And I, I, I have tweeted it. Don't worry. I've, I've warned people. If they're reading tweets, don't buy Hunt or uh, Ward jerseys. And uh, people didn't like it, but hey, I'm here just to spread information. Um, and yeah, I've, I've gone from like, I've added over a thousand followers in less than 10 days. It's nuts. Better you than me. I'm not responsible enough to have that many Twitter followers. My odds are shifting. Um, my numbers are shifting upwards as quick as uh, the Brown Super Bowl odds. All right, let's see. We've covered Brissett. We've covered, uh, you know, the whole quarterback situation thing. Uh, so, Jack, how excited are you on a scale of one to ten about the uh, the banter back and forth that Jarvis Landry may be coming back? I just, I, I literally cannot get my head around it. It's like, why? Why is the question? Obviously, we are. I think we're very likely to see a different scheme. Um, this year to what we've seen the last two years of Stefanski. A lot more 11 personnel, that's for sure. A lot more passing the ball. I don't think I'm going to be sat there quite as angry when we run the ball. I think if you're going to look at a time when to go and find, the second half of 2020 is probably going to be really good because that was the peak for in the Stefanski two years of when we're passing more and more and more on first down. So um, if you if you want to know what I think it's going to look like, I would look probably to that. Well, just an update. And I know, I, I know this guy's gotten dragged a little bit, but Jordan Schultz out there spoke with several teams who currently have an offer out to Jarvis Landry. I'm also told the moves Cleveland has made in the last 40 hour, 48 hours, namely trading for Deshaun Watson, may have Landry rethink things. Brown's return remains on the table for the five-time Pro Bowl receiver, which basically means, Jarvis, that one-year contract that you didn't want to take before, the Browns are not going to change their offer. Their offer to Jarvis Landry will be the same, whether it's one year, whatever it is. By the way, breaking news in the NFL, we have a big trade. Uh, looks like Robert Woods will be heading to the Titans, which we'll talk about in a second. However, uh, Landry's one-year deal, you want to come back. Nobody else is offering you a multi-year deal. If you want to take the one-year X million-dollar contract we've offered, it is still on the table for you. That should tell you everything. It was insulting enough to where Landry demanded a trade beforehand. So if he comes back and takes it, maybe he was tuck tail a little bit. Who knows? But there was interest in him going to Atlanta if Watson went there. So clearly the quarterback wouldn't be the issue. But it may be not a bad way for the Browns to earn back a little uh, good pub in terms of the uh, Browns fandom because Jarvis Landry was quite well liked here in Cleveland. Yeah, so someone tweeted... Uh... So re-signing re Jarvis Landry would make the last 24 hours uh, less grotesque or uh, whatever the ch choice of words it was with a medium like bringing in Watson. And uh, I replied, <laughs> bringing in an unathletic, unexplosive wide receiver is grotesque to me. And um, I, I just, uh, it, it, I would not be impressed. I, I, that's all I'm going to say is I want well, those targets going to the most explosive fun, crazy wide receivers we can mm -hmm. see. For me, Will Fuller's a lock, so I'm working on the basis Will Fuller is coming in. Um, obviously, that isn't a done deal, and that could easily be the case of they need to get Deshaun Watson on the books to bring his number down before they can re-sign a Clowney, before they can re-sign a Fuller. These two deals might effectively be done, but they can't announce them until they trade for Watson, add him, re-sign his deal to bring that number down, and then they can add more guys in. So it could easily be agreed, but not official. 
Yeah, listen, there was a lot of talk back and forth about how the NFL free agency period was going to kind of ramp up really fast once Deshaun Watson moved teams. And it actually seems like it's been the opposite. It's slowed down a lot. And I think the Browns are the reason for that is because I think there's a couple guys that the Browns probably want to bring in. That they really can't till all this to your jet point, Jack, all this accounting gets done. So the wide receiver market, there's still a lot of guys out there. Um, and I think the writing was on the wall, obviously, when Allen Robinson went to the Rams, that Robert Woods was going to be moved there. So I'd be curious to see now that Woods is going to the Titans, that the uh, the wide receiver market may move a little bit, may may, may, may dance a little bit, because I still think the Browns are going to bring in, they're going to bring in an edge, they're going to bring in a wide receiver likely a D tackle. I mean, they probably have three or four guys they're going to have to address. And then the crucial part of the Watson Watson trade was obviously we talked about it in our last one, only giving up one pick. So they're going to be able to infuse this talent or this roster with a lot of young talent. And I'm going to tell you, Jack, the Browns are in a position this year where is if it pick 44, you know, there was some big news out of the NFL draft world yesterday with um, David Ajabo from Michigan tearing his Achilles. And, you know, if you remember right, a few years ago, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from the Titans, who got ended up getting drafted by the Titans, tore his ACL, I believe, in pre-draft workouts. He ended up falling to the back half of the first round. The Titans basically sat on him for three quarters of a year, and now he's just an absolute beast of a tackle. So if the Browns really like Dejabo, this is the guy that they may be able to get now that he's torn his Achilles later in the first round, possibly into the second round. They can stash him with some veterans and then end up, you know, being able to use him later on. It's just a possibility. Obviously, you don't wish injuries on anybody. I don't even care if they're from Michigan. This is not an Ohio State thing. I, I would never in a million years want anyone to get injured in pre-draft stuff. But the reality is, is once you tear your Achilles, your draft stock goes down. And the Browns not having picked 13 now may be in the market to add an edge there at 44. He could be a guy. Apparently, we were also inquiring about adding Robert Woods. Um, of course interesting. We um, why I, I would be I'd be upset if Andrew Berry didn't make that call I would absolutely take Robert Woods in a heartbeat so, I'd be curious what they actually gave up for him the Titans yeah my boy Alex Goodman over there in Titanland uh, is going to be very excited um the other thing just to note on David Ajabo he's older than my age guardrails would allow so uh, for a second not, round pick he's yeah yeah he's not oh, an, even for a second rounder he's not an X he's a line so he'd be an outlier which is older than they would initially like. So he's going to be older than 22 come week one of the season, but he's not going to be 23. So I have a question, Jack. I don't know if you know this about David Ajabo, but he was actually, uh, I believe he was raised in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And if I'm not mistaken, yes. Ajabo was born in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, and moved to Aberdeen, Scotland. Oof. In 2007. So is oh, the reason God. you don't want him and the fact that you put a line through him is because he's from your brothers to the north. Don't you north hate on my Scottish world. people. Ajabu lived in Scotland with my people. You clearly don't like him because of the William Wallace days of your, your country's history. <laughs> so, But yeah, no, you're right. He's, he's 21 now. He's going to be 22 in May. So he'll be 22 after the draft. Yeah, but I, I, I'm he'd be 22 one. in three months. June, July, August. He'd be 22 in three question. months. So <sighs> compensation is a sixth round pick. That's, that's a result of that horrendous contract. Yeah. 
Well, there's, there's guarantees there's, and coming off yeah. an injury. I think that's yeah. that's the main concern. It's not a bad deal that he's on. It's just the fact that he's injured. And um, hmm. yeah. And listen, I, for all those wondering about Jack, so Diana Rossini is the one that tweeted it. The other team that was interested in trading for Rams wide receiver, wide, Robert Woods, the Cleveland Browns. So maybe the Browns weren't, I, I mean, I can't see the sixth round pick being the, uh, and it was a 2023 yeah. sixth round pick. So basically, Robert Woods just got traded for significantly less than Amari Cooper. Crazy, but um, this is this is the NFL, Jack. And I mean, we obviously before we would record maybe you know a day in advance, and that's why we're just trying to get these out there because Jack in three refreshes the Browns could have a new receiver, they could have a new running back, Baker could be traded. I mean, there are so many balloons that are just at max capacity that could pop at any minute. And listen, at some point, we know the Browns are going to announce something about the Texans. Like I said, have done their presser and their release. They've already answered the questions about it. The Browns haven't even tweeted anything since I think Austin Hooper was released and he's already signed with a new team. So the Browns have been very quiet over the weekend. If you're looking at free agents, guys, there's probably three major ads coming. One wide receiver, one edge and one defensive tackle. I think that's fair. The rest, yeah, there would be a depth center they might bring in unless they're happy with done it back up. Um, some other little pieces, there might be a safety come in to compete. Um, safety, I think it's the wild card that they could um, go out and spend some money. Um, but those are the three spots. Um, and I think it's one in each spot. I don't think it's multiple um, quality wide receivers coming. You could bring in a nothing guy um, to compete for Cam, but I mean, actual real real talent i still by the way my dreams were dashed when dj moore signed his four-year extension that that trade was going to happen damn but i do think the browns extend big deals now yeah i also think that you're going to see the browns in this market for these receivers like robert woods and stuff like that where you can just trade a dump third day three pick to try to bring people in now because they just have to pivot into a little bit just different style of roster because they still, the, I would think that the Haslam's know how many games Watson's going to get. And at that point there, they have to start figuring out how they're going to win with Brissett transitioning into, you know, whenever Watson plays, whether it's this year or not. Because I still, I still think there's a shot that he's suspended for the year. I really do. Yeah. And remember, Stefanski schemed so much stuff open last year that all you have to do is have a quarterback that doesn't throw it two feet over the receiver's head. Jack, I will say, you know what my favorite thing about bringing Jacoby Brissett in is? If I see the Browns on third and one or fourth and one, that's actually less than a yard ever turn around and hand that freaking ball off to a running back five yards in the backfield. I'm going to flip my shit. Okay. You now basically have slightly big, you know, the same size as a fullback at the line. And I've now got $20 million in guards. We better, I think the Colts would bring him specifically in for QB sneaks. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Dolphins did this too. So the Browns better have the best short yardage conversion rate in the entire NFL. If I've got a battering Ram quarterback in the back. So whatever you do, line up Chubb in the fullback position, run a quarterback sneak and let him drive into Brissett's back and shove him the yard. We need no more short yardage issues. Do you think the Browns can get a five yard quarterback sneak this year? Do you think that's possible? If, if it's fourth and one, fourth and two, and that kicker of butter runs out, they're, uh, they might be cut just for... Uh, Anal- analytic Duffin's going to find you guys and stab you with a ruler. But guys, it, it, there's going to be all sorts of stuff flying around. Um, by all means, see who those names are, but I expect one wide receiver, one edge, one um, the tackle, um, plus some other pieces. But uh, hey, 
it's going to be big fun. Um, keep following me. I'll keep every time there's a, an official move comes out, I'll tweet out. I'm just waiting on some numbers to uh, come to light. And Jacoby Brissett, I think the one thing that might make that cheaper than people would expect is the Browns can promise him, say, six games, whereas you can go on a prove-it backup deal. You're not guaranteed a, a snap, and that might not then translate into money and opportunity, whereas he comes in and he has a great time. They could even trade him mid-season, and they could have him for six games. He does well. We could be four and two. We bring in Deshaun Watson, and we trade Jacoby Brissett to someone else who maybe it's the Carolina Panthers get a bit desperate, and they think... This guy's just won four games out of his first six. Bring him over. And um, why not cash in? Carolina, Jacoby Brissett quarterback later in the season. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. So, as always, guys, go Browns. Go Browns and welcome back, Jarvis. Thank you. Ooh.